my idea is that when someone is in a leadership role, they don't get questioned enough. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because they have the leadership role. And that is, I guess, where it, where it all goes wrong. Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Connected Podcast, uh, where we share inspirational stories from educational leaders all around the world. And this week's guest is Meek Kemmel from Belgium. She is a secondary school principal. And I have to say that I was really, really honored to have her as a first guest. Um, I've uh, been working with Meek for about eight months now in my MBA program. And she's in our small group where you know we meet each week and, and, and discuss some issues uh, how to apply our MBA program in our own lives and our own working contexts. And throughout the eight months that I've known Meek, she's been um, really well organized, really inspirational leader. Um, she has a really clear vision and has been able to share her leadership practice with us in the small group. And so I've been able to see firsthand how the things that we discussed today uh, actually play a role in, in how um, Meek. Um, you know, performs as a leader. Um, and so uh, one of the key questions I had today for Meek was she's a leader who's assumed a formal leadership position only in the last year or so. Um, she's been working for uh, around 15 years as a uh, high school teacher or secondary school teacher. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But, you know, the main question was, how, how did you know you were ready to take on this formal leadership position? And how could other emerging leaders, you know, test themselves? And I really think this conversation sheds a lot of light for those of you who are thinking about, you know, what, what does it mean to be a leader? What is it to take the next step in a career? And what do I need to be able to do or be, as we'll find out? Um, in conversation, in this conversation, we talk a lot about honesty and um, for Meek, and for so many effective leaders worldwide, honesty is the core of what it means to be an effective leader. Our conversation was really about how being honest with oneself is a really prerequisite to being able to lead others. And I think it's really fascinating. Our conversation starts off, uh, we talk a little bit about the, um, the current crisis and what is it like to be a you know, relatively new leader in a relatively new position and now being faced with this very difficult, unexpected crisis. What are the resources that Meek was able to draw from and other leaders worldwide are able to draw from to find some kind of strength, uh, stability, and to provide answers for the people that you're leading? And it really comes back to this idea of understanding your own self, as we'll find out, understanding your own principles, and sticking true to those principles um, through, you know, Meek talks a lot about how she checks in with herself. She's checking in with believable people who are willing to disagree with her. And, you know, when times get tough, it really requires leaders who are able to understand their own values really, really clearly. And for me, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Meek's been a really good inspiration personally. I see her work. And, and I think in this conversation, you get a good sense of what it is she's really about 
and just how, I mean, I think the word really is integrity, that there's like a wholeness in her uh, actions and the thought processes. And I really think that for think for leaders who are considering or for you know anyone who's considering the move to leadership or a new position, a new working context, this conversation can be really eye-opening, and it certainly was for me. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with me, Kemal. Uh, I know I did. Uh, so, Mike. Uh, first of all, I want to—I really thank you for for coming on and and talking a little bit about your own leadership journey. Um, before we get started, can you talk a little bit about you know your role, your current role, and maybe a little bit about how you got to that role? Okay. Well, um, I've been teaching for over fifteen years uh, in a secondary school uh, in Belgium. Um, as a master economics, I teach. Um, economic-related uh, subjects. I really like the job. Uh, I like uh, the contact with the pupils, with the colleagues. Uh, I like to transfer uh, ideas and, and knowledge. That's really, really what I like to do. Um, since a year now, uh, I've become a principal, um, not in the same school as I used to teach, but in another school, uh, but also vocational educational uh, training. Um, we do have the same kind of uh, pupils there. Uh, but in another sector, in an agricultural um, school. Um, so I'm there for one year now. I just celebrated uh, my one-year anniversary as a principal. I'm really curious about you know what it's like to be a, sort of an emerging leader and a, a principal, especially in this crisis. I want to know if you've you know what it's been like in this first year, how your perspective on your own leadership has uh, has changed. Well, um, I do remember very well last year uh, for the first time seeing my staff. They were all very eager uh, to see me for the first time and to ask me questions about my vision for the school. Well, at that moment, I did have some vision on um, on education and, and how to handle vocational educational training um, in Flanders. But I didn't have a clue about the challenging challenges that were um, waiting for me there. Um, I, I'm very lucky to have a really good staff who is really supporting and and willing to make the school better. But we couldn't have been aware at that moment about what was going to happen. Uh, some some typical stuff happened at school, and I could have been prepared for that. And I have some counselor helping me uh, in my first year. But for for instance, this this. Um, Corona crisis, nobody could have thought that this was going to happen. So when we when we heard the news, we knew already about things going on in Asia, but we didn't really pay attention because it was far away from Belgium. But then that day when our government um, told us that uh, schools were going to, to close, it was something, it, I don't think it has ever happened um, in the last maybe 25 years. Uh, so uh, as a recent a new new principal, um, I had to to improvise 
because we had no policy for that. We, we had no idea. We were not prepared. Nobody could tell me. Even the Minister of Education didn't have an answer how to cope with it, what to tell your students, what to tell the parents, how to communicate with your staff, um, what to do. So um, it was a huge exercise. But I kept always, I always kept some some simple principles in mind that um, people in time of crisis, they need answers and they do expect those answers from me. And I am there and I need to provide them uh, clear answers. There's already a lot of, of, of questions. I, I, I don't have to raise more questions, but to provide uh, peace and, and um and, and reassure them in, the, in those difficult times. Um, I think this yeah, it's something I will I will benefit from in the future, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know something that's really interesting to me is that you know you started by saying there there really aren't answers. Even the Minister of Education hasn't been through anything like this before. So no. there's something really interesting about how you can draw upon your own principles in this time of crisis to provide answers for staff when these answers hadn't existed a few weeks ago. So what's that like, you know, when you find out that moment that you you needed to close the school that had to be some kind of an emergency plan? What, how do you draw, like what resources do you have internally or externally to draw on to, to help make those answers? Well, there there aren't any policies provided, so so that's something you can forget about. The only thing you can do at that moment is get back to your own principles. And I do always reflect on what would I need as a teacher in that situation, or what as a parent, what what would I need at that moment? And for myself, I think, as I said before, we need um, someone who guides us through this difficult time um like, like a real guide that the guide has a lot of uncertainties too i do face those uncertainties and and, and i question myself often um and i and i can do that i can take that time to do that but when communicating to to staff and to parents i have to be clear um so the only principles i can refer to or um, I can think of is what would I need myself in this situation being a teacher or being uh, a parent that's the only thing I got at the moment of course I do have um, colleagues we do have some principles and we come together um, even in those times of, of a crisis uh, in, in a virtual way then and we do discuss what what we think, but when we go back to our own schools, we have to make our own uh, story. Uh, it does support me, but in the end, I'm the one who's who will need to to give the answers to the to the staff or to the parents. You know, you've talked a lot about this idea of principles, or even asking, you know, what would you need in a certain circumstance and. I want to go back to some of the early conversations that we've had in our work together in our MBA program. Um, you know, you've talked a lot about your own leadership journeys and some of the things that 
helped you first consider taking taking some kind of leadership role. So can we we talk a little bit about those early stages, which I think it's really clear to me that are are really kind of influencing the way you're approaching this crisis. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, well, going back, um, it, well, it took me quite some time to go and apply for, for my current job as a principal because for a very long time, um, I didn't perceive myself as being a leader. And, and that's strange because, because now looking back, I realize that other people maybe always saw me as a leader before I even realized fellow students when studying, friends, colleagues, they, they perceived me as a leader, but it took quite a while before I got convinced myself to become what did you um, like, what did you think was was missing? I mean, what I'm I'm really curious because having worked with you and as you said, there's other people in your life who've had this perception of you. So, from your own perspective, what what do you think that was lacking? Um, I've been thinking about that uh, m- much. I I I've been thinking what is the reason that I I didn't saw it my, for myself um, that this was my my part of this wasn't going to be and I've been thinking maybe I was raised in an environment where it was import, important to work hard and stay humble although I'm convinced I'm very happy for that and I will keep on reaping the benefits of this this upbringing every day of my future life but maybe that has been one of the reasons for staying in the same place as a teacher for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was very lucky to meet a very inspirational woman uh, one year ago, and she confronted me with the, fa- with the fact, although she doesn't know me for, for a very long time, that I suffered from the sticky floor syndrome mm-hmm. after more than, than a decade of teaching. Um, but, okay, I really like the job, and it wasn't low paying, but I found myself stuck with, with limited opportunities and, and a lack of job ladders that would lead me to that leadership role. And maybe my, my upbringing is a, is a reason for that, because um, I was told, maybe not explicitly, but um, just work hard, stay humble, be happy with what you have. Don't go take any risks. Just be happy and do whatever is there for you. Um, and maybe that is one of the reasons um, for staying in the same place and maybe neglecting the idea of becoming a leader of myself. I want to explore this a little bit more. Can you go back to that conversation? Do you remember the details of that conversation when she, she said the sticky floor syndrome or maybe your own reaction after you heard that? Well, <laughs> my first reaction was, oh, no, 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 no. No, I am a strong woman. I make my own decisions very consciously. That was my first reaction. She looked at me like, okay. But then, and it was only some minutes later, I realized she was right. I felt at that moment I could cry. A decade of my life not living up to my own potential. That was I felt at the moment. Um, I just felt like those, those past 10, 15 years were lost. Um, I felt kind of, of grief, but then, then I realized um, that that time wasn't lost. That period in my life was a part of the puzzle. And one day, all those professional puzzle pieces would come together. So those are the phases I went through, I think, in only maybe 10 minutes. But it was a very strong moment for me. Uh, and I, will, I remember that for a very long time. Do you think... I mean, was it 
was it something about the moment that she said it in or the way that she said it to you? I, what, what was it about that conversation that really struck you? I think I, I've always realized what she, what she said at that moment. Um, I know I was in there on that sticky floor, but I, I couldn't define what it was. I, I struggled kind of, but I couldn't define it. And, and when reaching out to people, they told me, oh, you're lucky. You have a wonderful job um, being in education and you, sh- you should be happy. And I was very happy at that moment, but I felt there was something more. Uh, and I couldn't get to that point to define what was that something more. Um, but other, others already did before I did. Uh, and that's when the colleagues and, and, and the friends came in who already perceived me as being a leader. Uh, so the puzzles, the puzzle pieces did came together at that, uh, at that very moment. And so what happened next? What was it like from that moment to sort of deciding, you know what, I think I actually do want to apply for these jobs? Well, it's... It happens like next to each other because um, an- another reason why I, I didn't apply for a leadership position earlier um, was that I didn't want to become the same type of leader as leaders I've met on my professional path at that time. Uh, I did not want to become a leader because just of the sign on the door. I did not want to become a leader for ego reasons or something. I was searching for real and authentic leadership but at that stage in, in my professional life, I hadn't met my example yet. Mm. And I guess we need such an, such an example to, to develop ourselves. Um, and I've been thinking a lot uh, about how I would define good leadership. What is a good leader? And reading and, and discovering, um, I found some, some answers and I... Uh, was happy to read the results of, of research on the topic. Uh, I, I cite um, Saip and Frick, those are the researchers, about honesty, that, that honesty has been selected more, more often than any other leadership characteristic. Overall, it emerges as the single most important ingredient in the leader-constituent relationship. But, and, and that struck me the most, honesty must be more than a strategy or a behave, behavior, or, or blurting out whatever one thinks or feels. It's a part of being authentic, and, and that requires inner work. And at that moment in my life, I, I hadn't met leaders who were authentic uh, in that way. They were, they were It's really rare. interesting to me to hear just how connected these kind of experiences are. I mean, it was almost like you needed to identify yourself in an authentic way as being, oh, yeah, actually... I am a leader and I Mm -hmm. do have these characteristics. And it's really interesting to see how this all kind of fits together. Maybe the lack in um, maybe mentors or kinds of leaders that you can identify with. So, I mean, after you've, after you've now been in leader for, or in a formal leadership position for, for the last year, do you look on those, those other leaders that you had in, in your background any differently? Do you see them or their own perspective any differently? I do think about them often. I, I wonder how they would cope with the situation I encounter yeah. now. For instance, uh, the crisis, the corona crisis, what would they do at the moment? And I, I still want to do that because I try to analyze what, what didn't went so well back then in their leadership. Um, so I analyzed and I hope 
to learn from it so that that history wouldn't repeat so that my staff members don't get that same feeling with me um, as I did with my leaders back then. Uh, I don't want to, to, to my, I, I don't want my staff to have to work in, in the same conditions, not that the conditions were very bad, but they weren't, um, they didn't develop um, the staff as they should. Um, so the, the staff at, at that moment, uh, they, they lacked something. And I don't want my staff or my team to lack the same things because um, if you provide those development opportunities, and it's not about making career, that's that's not the most important thing. But if you empower them, you will get so much more out of it as a leader. But your your staff is being is, is feeling very very good in their situation and that's important for our students for our pupils pupils do need and unhappy is maybe not the right word but do need someone in front of them um, who can support them because they are supported themselves and, and and going back to this maybe this decision to become a leader or to apply to this formal leadership position what did you feel like you you could bring or you could offer in those circumstances? What was it about your own philosophy or your own feelings or maybe even experiences that you're like, oh, you know what? I, th- I think I can actually provide something for other staff members. Have you thought about that? Hmm. Um, it's not like I have the feeling that I can solve anything or that I, I have all the answers ready. I, I don't have the answers ready. Um, I, I question myself regularly. It doesn't mean that I'm I'm doubting myself, but I need to offer my team certainty in times of crisis, like we, we talked about before. Um, I need to provide answers, but I do encounter the same feeling, and I hope I always... Um, I always will uh, have the same feeling about questioning myself, and um, in times of doubt, I... I hope I always will ask myself questions. Am I right? Or, or maybe what is my second thought? Um, because I think that's the only way I can offer not solutions, but I can offer support at the most diverse contexts. Because I work in one context now, maybe in 10 years I will work in another context where there are other answers needed. But by questioning myself regularly, I hope I will always be able to find uh, or, or to offer that support. You know, in, in hearing you talk, it's it's really clear that you have maybe a, a really healthy way that you're asking yourself questions. But I think for emerging leaders, that's something that's really difficult is to know what. how would you maybe define or talk a little bit about the, the differences between second guessing yourself, and which really doesn't provide anything. Uh, versus, you know, asking yourself appropriate kinds of questions. Can you talk a little bit about that? And has it maybe always been that way? Have you always been able to ask yourself, um, rather than being self-critical, questions that are going to help you make better decisions? Well, maybe it, it hasn't always been like that because I know I used to be very stubborn <laughs> um, and that stopped me sometimes from doing the 
the, the best thing. Um, but when, when growing as a person, um, I found myself able, and I think that's the growth mindset we are aiming for, to keep on asking questions, to keep on questioning myself. Because as a principle, people expect answers from me or support, and I, I, I will give them, and I will very um, straightforward about it. But I'm willing to overthink myself a lot. Not with a lot of people around, but for myself, or maybe with my my mentor or my my counselor, um, or maybe with with talking with friends, maybe um, because um, I need to overthink myself, and and I would refer back to those different contexts because if I'm sure about having the right answer, and the context changes, and I keep on uh giving the same answer well then i have a problem i guess so i i my questions um and i do that for me as as um for my my professional life or how am i still in the right place um i do ask myself where do i find joy mm-hmm. i do the, do ask myself that question on a regular basis what am i passionate about um what am i really good in but also what have my my failures taught me about my my proper calling it's important to keep uh, eyes open and sometimes it's difficult because in the rush of every day we don't find time uh, to do that it's not like i go sit down and do some meditation and then ask myself those questions but you, you don't it's something don't. no i i don't but i do need to plan it in my my schedule but i i i don't have a an, a fixed form of asking myself those questions it's not like i have a questionnaire or i go to someone i, to I, I did actually want uh, to ask you that because you you have like a <laughs> sort of like really thoughtful way of approaching and, and i actually even thought about mindfulness so it surprised me that you don't mm-hmm. have a formal yeah maybe i do but i Maybe I don't realize, but I do have some practical things. For instance, the the rise motivation profile. I'm very lucky <laughs> to have one all worked out for me. Well, it's it's one sheet and it's it's a very good overview. And I glued it to my agenda. And when in doubt during the day or something that there's there's an issue with a staff member or a parent, um, and I'm questioning myself not doubting myself but questioning myself i do get back to that profile to that rise motivation profile and and see what what is my my stake here in this situation it's a, and and i was gonna say you know reflect on it yeah, could it help me <laughs> we've both done this profile and it's it was mm-hmm. really interesting you know to be able to sit down together as a group as part of our mba group and have really i mean i don't know how you felt but when we went through our our motivational profile together we we were all very honest and for me it was really interesting <laughs> to see like a lot of the things that i see as shortcomings are or you know my own quirks actually make a lot of sense when i start talking about them with other people or seeing how they fit on a on a motivational profile so it's been an interesting source of strength for, for me as well. Were you skeptical mm-hmm. about, about you know, sort of boiling yourself down to one page or? Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
when when filling out the questionnaire, I thought, oh my god, <laughs> another another yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> because when doing job interviews or something like that, you always have to fill out those questionnaires, and then you get a result, and then okay. But this time, the when I saw the answers, and and it was, um, I was <laughs> confronted, and it but it was eye opening. Um, I know that I'm ambitious, and that's a nice thing to to go and tell to someone else. Hey, I'm ambitious. Look how nice that is. But then I saw, um, um, and I, I'm curious. I know, but um, for instance, my rise motivation profile says um, that I don't have a high need for social contact. And that is something, if you go to a job interview and, and out of the context, you tell that to someone, hey, sorry, I don't have a high need for social contact. They think, <laughs> like, okay. oh my God, <laughs> this isn't the one. <laughs> um, but then uh, when, when talking um, with, with Councillor Pivey about uh, the, this, this profile, it made me realize that this isn't a disadvantage. It is a fact. And the way I use this in my life and, and in, in private life and in personal life and uh, in, in professional life, um, it, it's the way how I handle this that will make a difference. And when realizing that, I, I, I saw that um, this one page, me being in one page, um, is really helpful for me. And it can be helpful for people working with me as well. But and yeah, the most important one is me realizing uh, things that I maybe already knew, but being there on paper, it's a really eye opener, and um, it helps me developing that growth mindset. Because even uh, when, for instance, you have such a not popular thing, <laughs> not having high needs for social contact, it can be something that empowers you in your work or making better decisions towards careers for instance so um it helps me absolutely i want to ask another question about that because uh like you i have a very low need for social contact so i'm really curious about how you've managed and it you know from all of our conversations throughout the year managed well this um this role as a principal who's I mean, really in charge of a lot of conversations, your really important communication with your staff and students and parents. So how mm-hmm. how do you find that balance? Um, well, it, it does draw some energy from sure. me. I'm aware sure. of that. It can be very tiring having meetings all day. And for sure, if they're not constructive, then <laughs> it's even more uh, energy drawing for me. But um but it it helped me realize, and and one of the strengths I found in that, I do, I do not have a high need for social contact. That kind of makes me like an an introvert. Um, but one of the of the strong points of of an introvert is that they listen very well, because we I don't have the high need to be in spotlight um, or to. Be, to be the one that all everyone has to listen to, um, so I do have the the skill to listen before I speak, um, and that helps a lot when working with people. Um, and, and it helps. It helps me. I listen first, 
And then I, I take some time. I used to, before I knew all of this, I felt the urgency to answer, to provide answers immediately. I, want, I wanted to help immediately. But now I know, okay, I will listen to you. I will take all that information with me and I will take some time, and it's alone time <laughs> often, uh, to let it sink in, all the information. And afterwards, I get back to whoever I was talking with um, to give them a clear answer, not based on just emotions of the moment, but um, based on the ratio um, and, and um, having all the all the, f the factors working together. Um, and that is something that I changed that because I know how I do it now works better. It works better for me because I feel um, more at ease and I'm, I'm, I'm reassured when I give the answer that I thought about all uh, the issues. And people know now that they can come to me. I will listen. I will listen earnestly to them. And afterwards, I will get back to them and give them the answer or the instruction or the support of, of whatever they were asking for. Um, it makes me feel better about the situation. And, you know, first of all, for the listener, uh, I, I should say... I really had to ask you, you know, you said you didn't want to be in the spotlight. I really did have to ask you several times <laughs> to, to do this. Yes. So that's definitely true. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm so curious because, you know, we started this conversation talking about uh, honesty being at the core of, of what you think to be leadership, um, authentic leadership. Mm -hmm. And in, in speaking with you, all of these things that you're saying are so well aligned. And I think... It, at least from my perspective, it really comes from the honesty that you've you've been able to be with yourself. You know, you've you've really mm -hmm. understood what it is that motivates you and what you require. I'm just sort of la and last sort of uh, kinds of questions. I, one of the things I'm asking about is or interested in asking about is whether or not you've communicated this with your staff. I mean, have you been really deliberately? Explaining, hey, I'm a little bit introverted, or this is the way that I work best, and this is what I can offer, or is that something that happens maybe more informally? It happens informally, because when I first arrived at school, I didn't want to go and change everything <laughs> right away. I, I, I promised myself, and, and I said it to them because they asked immediately for my vision and what are you going to do, and I said, okay, I'm here now. I'm happy to be here, but please grant me the time to go and, and, and find out, to, to wander through the, through the hallway and, and, and see and, and absorb, because I can read the policies that were there in the online learning platform, for instance. But if I really want to get to know the culture of, of the school, um, it doesn't happen overnight. I do need some time for that. So I ask them, please give me that time. To, to get to know you and, and, and how things are done here. Um, and I didn't want to go and change it immediately, but it was a very interesting time. I, I think that time took about hmm, two or three months um, that I was looking at the organization from as an outsider. I wasn't one of them yet. 
And in that time, I saw a lot of things that were, they were so used to do it and it was normal for them. And if you ask them, why do you do it like this? Because we, we are used to, it has always been like this. And at that time, I just noted down and I, I didn't say anything. And, and I still have, have those notes with me. And so now, now and then I get back to them. I say, okay, that because now I'm an insider too. I get back to those, and it's a very interesting source for me to to make this the organization better. So I, I it took some time. So in that time, I didn't want to put on their plate for hey, this is who I am, because you can tell whatever you want. You can write a speech about how you are and and how you work, and it maybe can be interesting. But I think the only way to show how you really are is to practice what you preach. How did you? And maybe do practice a lot and preach not so much. (laughs) Uh, And and so it happened um, in an informal way, I guess. But now as they got to know me better, um, we sometimes have some talks about it. Uh, for instance, a colleague, a staff member coming into my office discussing something. Um, and then we, we discuss maybe just a little bit, a, a little part, a little puzzle piece. And, and that is how it grows, I guess. And isn't every relationship growing like that? Yeah, for sure. I I wonder, you know, I want to, it's really interesting to hear, you know, one of the things that I maybe most curious about, and I actually don't really know the story very well, is what is it like between the time that you get the job until your first days? And in other words, like, how did you know to sit back and listen for three to four months? How did you know these kinds of approaches? Had you had formal leadership training before? No. <laughs> um, in, 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 uh, in Flanders, here in Belgium, um, there is a leadership training, but you can only get into it when you are a leader. <laughs> so first you have to leader and then you go into training. So that was a really strange thing. That's why I decided not going into this training here in Belgium. But I, I found this really great answer back there um, in uh, the educational leadership program in Finland. Um, you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't have a clue. Um, you get some advice. People want to advise you and, and they do it because they, they care, I'm sure. Um, others do it because they like to hear themselves to talk. They like to <laughs> they like themselves uh, to, to give advice because it comes from them. Um, but you, you really don't have a clue. And um, um, it's like you have to rely on your on yourself. And you you read and, and and you read things that say the other thing than that you read in the other book. Um, but it, it was it it came naturally. I think um, how can I change an organization, or, or who can change an organization for the better is someone who is who isn't in it. <laughs> Because that is the way how you how you notice what's what's not going not that well. Um, so I don't know. Is it instinct? I no idea. <laughs> yeah, I um, I really appreciate this conversation. I, I just want to end with one last question. It's a conversation that you and I had 
uh, a while ago, and and it, and it resonates with me in my mind. You talked a little bit about being frustrated about maybe not knowing when the leadership position might open up or if it was right for you. And then in the end, you said, you know, looking back, I'm in the right place at exactly the right time. And I'm mm-hmm. really curious if there's any bit of wisdom that you'd be willing to share for emerging leaders who are kind of wondering whether or not they're quite ready to take that next leap. What, um, what might you say? Well, if you ever f- feel the thing like, like we discussed uh, at the start of the talk, um, please do not neglect that that thing that's there is it the calling i don't know um go and talk to people who surround you because at some moments they know you better than you know yourself um go talk to people who do not know you because they have the advantage of being an outsider and seeing where where um where things are are not right or or maybe you just tell yourself some things um and outside the outsiders outsiders can put a finger on that um so don't just put it away um but but think about it um and about being in a leadership position it will never end it, it's a journey but a journey without a destination because um, good leadership involves adjusting your sales daily, maybe every half an hour, like we had the last weeks. And the wind in our sales keeps on surprising us every day. It, it is now, it happens now, but it will surprise me maybe in, 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 in 20 years. Um, and be, be aware of that. You never will have the same answer, the right answer, because the context is changing. The people you are working with are changing um, and you have to keep on challenging yourself to become a better leader for that specific situation. So don't force yourself to find the ultimate right answer because maybe it's just not there. Um, So that's the advice, Uh, the beginning principle. (laughs) is willing to give you uh, and to share and maybe we should have this talk again uh, in five or ten years and 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 see how that evolves. Uh, Mick, I I really genuinely appreciate this conversation. It's been it's been a really a pleasure and I, it's nice to get a chance to s- sort of know a little bit more of your story. And I'm and I'm gonna hold you to that uh, that five year conversation. So. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I really want to thank Meek for coming on and sharing that wisdom. There's so much for me to think about and take away. And one of the things I really appreciated in this conversation was what it takes for a leader to find resilience and you know the strength to overcome these difficult challenges, even in times of crisis. Starts with being able to understand yourself, checking in with yourself, and a sense of honesty about what it is and who you are as a leader, what it is you, you bring Uh, I hope there was something really valuable in there for for you as well. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify. If you or someone you know is an inspirational educational leader or an aspiring leader, you've got a good story to tell, please get in contact on theconnectedpodcast.com. Really looking forward to these conversations. The music you're hearing now is called Add Anne by Broke for Free. Check out their new album, Leaf.